want to be a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader <laughs> yes. detective. Is that what I it do. is? Yes, because did you ever um, see their movie? No, they had a there's movie. a Dallas okay. Cowboys. Oh my God. Yes. That, first of I, all, okay, yes. I'm that's Googling the whole this now. Yes. Well, first of all, they, they traveled on the love boat several times, which was the first reason I wanted to be part of the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. But secondly, they also had a TV movie in which they solved crime. So oh, it was I literally taking like everything I loved in that era, as far as right. the Charlie's Angels crime fighting meets the, you know, cheerleader extravaganza meets, you know, partying on the Lido deck with Isaac right. meets wearing those sassy cowboy boots and lots of fringe. Right. Is this, I'm trying to, I think I've got the right film pulled up here. I believe it's just called Dallas Cowboys Cheerleaders, 1979. <laughs> Pretty film. sure that's what it was called. Oh, here we go. <laughs> they spent a lot uh, of money uh, a on newspaper the editor. Yeah, they workshopped it. Um, a newspaper editor decides to send his girlfriend, who is also a reporter on the paper, undercover to try out for the cheerleading team in order to do an insider story. And Does that sound right? And then there's this murder. Cast, is there murder? Because they there don't is even. There's definitely crime. Wait, Jane Seymour was in it. This and is Bert what I was going to say. And Bucky Dent. Um, like it's an wow. insane assortment of people. <laughs> Wait, maybe it was on uh, I, the love boat that they, I do remember the movie, but I also, but I don't remember enough details of it. Maybe they were crime fighting on the love boat, but I feel like I do feel we like just destroy there, your profession. There was no, because I do feel like there was murder and mayhem somewhere. Right. Wherever they there. go, mayhem follows. Yes, kind of. No, you could yeah. never destroy that dream. It Even if there's little, no the tag. Wait, the tagline. Are you wait? Did you see the tagline? That's amazing. I want that on a t-shirt. I did not. <laughs> did you see I it? I did not. What is it? No. A little cheesecake in a beefcake world. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Ooh, the extras were local girls that were recruit was recruited via radio ads. In some cases, the extras had actually tried out to be Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. So basically, it was like, oh, you didn't make the real cut, but you can sort of stand in the background right. in, our, in our movie. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Former Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders tell all on Debbie Does Dallas. Wait, what? We gotta get a, we've got to get a 1970s Dallas Co oh my, Cowboy yes. cheerleader. Yes. We have to. Yes. Like yes. a heyday, because I can like totally talk about my dreams, and we can find out all about this. The cheerleaders also performed on the Love Boat and made the cover of Esquire. There you but go. But it garnered unwanted attention in 1978 when the pornographic film Debbie Does Dallas was released, when there were two mm. actual Debbies on the team at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Get a pen. We're writing this down. I've got a pen. Um, I've got my notebook. Okay. Ready. Right. Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader. This is why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. So, first off, uh, Jesse, thank you for talking to us. It should be fun. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's what we're going I, I love for. Stupid, stupid's great. 
perfect. That's that's our bread and butter. You don't run around up up and down a mountain carrying a woman on your back and not be uh you know not worry about being stupid. Let's put it that way. That's a very good point. <laughs> so I guess that's a perfect end to what would be my first question, which in any other interview would be incredibly inappropriate. Um, how much does your wife weigh? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. Uh, well, my partner uh, okay. weigh, weighs about one hundred and three pounds. Okay. For those of us who might not be familiar with the sport, can you explain what wife carrying is and the rules such yeah. as there are? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So very, very few rules, um, including the fact that you don't actually have to be married. Um, in fact, the history, um, kind of the legend behind the sport is in, ste- in stealing wives, not in actually carrying your own wife. Um, oh, yeah, so it has a, kind of a fun, <laughs> a fun background. Did, did you steal your partner? Is she someone else's wife? Uh, yeah, did she so come willingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, she kind of stole me. Actually, my partner Christine was the one who asked me to do it um, the first year that we, you know, we did that. Um, and and yeah, so we're we're not married. I actually have another wife um, whom I don't carry. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so Christine and I are kind of professional, uh, wife and husband for a day, uh, each year when we do the comp. And, um, so anyway, as far as rules go, um, man can carry the woman or the woman can carry the man. Um, you could do either one and you can carry any style that you want. Um, typically if you drop your partner, they always say that there's a time penalty, but truthfully, they don't need to penalize you because it, it, it's you're talking about an event that's decided by uh, sometimes hundreds of a second. Like I actually got knocked out one year uh, off the off the second place by two one hundredths of a second. So if you drop your partner, there's no yeah, there's no recovering that kind of time for the top top racers. So mm-hmm. um, you got that, and then yeah, you just have to be the fastest one around the course uh, here in North America for the North American Championships. It typically involves one or two uh, like waist height log hurdles, uh, a giant sand pile, a huge mud pit called the Widowmaker, and then just generally running up and down the mountain. Wow. <laughs> How long does it take? What's the average time to do this course? Yeah, so winning winning times are typically under one minute, so just uh, usually wow. about fi- yeah, 57 to 58 seconds. Uh, course is just under 300 yards long, so it's like uh, running three football fields, um, one and a half football fields straight uphill, and then one and a half football fields downhill, and stopping to jump over a couple logs and run through a mud pit and those kind of things. So it's pretty incredible, yeah. How do you train for such a thing? Do you? It's funny that you ask. So the answer is, uh, I mean, not specifically, but you you could. Um, I, I and uh, I guess for us, uh, we you know, I'm an athletics coach, um, you know, and strength and conditioning coach. So a lot of what we typically do for sports applies directly anyway. So um, you know, obviously a lot of leg training, um, closer as you get to it, power and explosive plyometric training, a lot of weighted jumps. Um, but then surprisingly, and I, I hate to give away my secrets, but the world, the multi-world time world, no champion, one listens to this anyway. So <laughs> good. Well, I'm 
mostly worried about you, you Luke, you and Heidi. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, you guys might come out and steal all my thunder. So, um, but yeah, so that, that was our plan. This is yeah, all sleep with one eye open. Yeah. This isn't actually even a real podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, the multi-time world champ, uh, when I raced against him a couple times, he he actually told me that he does a lot of long, slow endurance work um, as his base and. I hadn't really considered that too much in this type of sport, but um, after that, I started using that a little bit more and doing a really long, slow warm-up before the race, which a lot of racers don't do, and that seems to have worked really well for me. I think uh, the other piece that people don't uh, underestimate, at least here in the North American Championship, is how hard the downhill running is. Um, hmm. Yeah, and so it just I think that was where I saw my most time saved this year. And I felt like I opened the gap a little bit was, uh, I worked on my downhill running technique a lot over the last uh, couple of years. Hmm. Wow. Now, do you put your, uh, air quote wife through the same kind of conditioning? Does she have to do training as well? Or does she have to do more <laughs> as far as being able to hold on? Yeah. So her, her training would look totally different. Um, but none, no, no less. Um, okay. so, so I always use this as kind of a quote when, when people are talking about wife carry, you know, a horse that runs a race is only as good as the jockey that rides it. And sure. people, yeah. And people don't give uh, nearly enough credit to the females in the sport as just, they think like, Oh, she's just hanging on, but she's basically for one whole minute contracting every muscle in her body uh, while being upside down while riding a rhinoceros. Right. So it's, uh, <laughs> It's not exactly an easy task to do. So being well conditioned, being flexible, um, being able to hold a, that, you know, like a total body contraction, um, but stay loose enough to breathe and stay calm. So her training looks a little bit different, but, but still just as intense. So how many championships do you guys have under your belt at this point? Um, so we're two-time North American uh, wife-carrying champions. Uh, we have two second places, two third places, and two first places. Um, and then a different partner that I carry, and this is a side story, but uh, we have two world championships for snowshoe wife-carry. <laughs> okay, wow. wait, so, okay, tell us about that. <laughs> Yeah, so that's exciting variation of the <laughs> traditional and original sport of wife carry, which is always done in the summer. Um, a good of friend course. of mine, yeah, a good friend of mine, <laughs> uh, Scott Burke uh, and Eric Person decided to create that variation uh, almost 10 years ago. Um, and we started racing snowshoe wife carry here in Maine um, and doing that and hosting the world championships. And this year we're actually moving the venue uh, over to Sunday River, actually where the North American Oh. Wife Carrying Championship is hosted, we're going to host that there as well. So that's going to be a big deal in April. It'll be a lot of fun. That's amazing. Yeah, it's the what same sport. It's just a little shorter course, and the carrier has to wear snowshoes. Oh. Is it harder? Well, it's interesting because uh, the conditions have been different every year. So um, last year, it was soft and mushy the day before. It froze up overnight, and so it was rock hard. Um, you know, the obstacles are different every year. So we had like a snowman slalom where you're running, weaving in between giant frozen snowmen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then up over a few big, huge frozen rollers and stuff like that. Um, 
And then one year, the year before that, we had uh, it snowed the night before, so we had six or seven inches of loose, soft powder on top of a punchy crust. And so your oh. snowshoe would sink under the crust, through the deep snow. Uh, people were just falling all over, and it was just great fun. Um, and we had a big fanned-out two-by-six uh, hurdle thing. Uh, very, very creative and very fun, but uh, made the racing very interesting. I was going to say, if you have problems with people not taking the sport seriously, I think the snowman is not helping <laughs> matters. <laughs> Just free advice. Do with it what you will. Yeah, totally. It's not It's not going to enter the Olympics anytime soon. But, <laughs> but Oh, you never know. It could happen. <laughs> I see, I, you know, I really seriously think it should make a bid. I, I mean, uh, and anyone who doubts it ought to try it. It is incredibly exhausting. It's like the worst minute of your life. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how does one get into this willingly? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like something like you like you would take up for fun. Oh yeah, you know. I, think... I mean, maybe we <laughs> define fun differently. That might be part of the problem. It's it's yeah. It's like one of those nice balances between like choosing to suffer, you know, for a very short period of time, but also the joy of it. So, I would guess that probably uh at least 30 percent of the people who sign up do it because they they believe it's going to be a blast and uh, and it always is that's one of the beauties of the sport is it's is we don't try to take it too seriously um mm. it's incredibly hard it's a great athletic event but at the same time yeah it's goofy right you're carrying another person you're running up and down a mountain um and it should be fun and silly. The Finns who invented it, uh, they also started a – they give out prizes for best costumes. So there's always a big part of the uh, tradition is a bunch of uh, couples will show up in different outfits and stuff. And that's always a good hoot. And what do you guys go for, Sonny and Cher or <laughs> Hollow Notes? Yeah. Oh, we're, I would say we're a little bit more on the, on the serious side of things when it comes okay. to that. Yeah. I uh, – I would love to show up and, and think that I could wear like a giant like uh, Ninja Turtle costume and still win, but I, I I doubt hurtling the logs in that would make it possible for me. That is that's a very that's good point. True. Tell us what you are actually competing to win. <laughs> yeah, so that's always you, that that might be the reason that people actually sign up. That's, uh, <laughs> is the prize is alluring, right? Um, so when you win at the North American Championship, you get uh, five times your wife's weight in cash. Um, and so that's a nice little purse. You know, usually it's about yeah. five or $600. And uh, you get her wa- your wife's weight also in beer. Um, so they put her on a gigantic seesaw and put her on the end, and they just start stacking up cases of beer until it's level and and you get to take all that home and and enjoy it and we usually uh the years that we've won you know invite a bunch of people out of the crowd to just come up and share our beers and just chit chat and have a good time and party and it's it's always a great uh, place to make friends and what's the prize for the world competition is it a similar weighing people um so uh in the in the world championship for wife care, which is hosted in Finland, we we've competed there once. Um, the, they do, uh, the prize in beer. Yep. And I don't know if they do it in cash. Um, but part of that, I know Sunday river has offered up that purse because that's kind of, uh, it helps at least lessen the, the burden of paying to go to Finland to compete in worlds. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, sure. yeah. Cause that's a pretty expensive trip, of course, as you can imagine. So, um, and then the prizes for snowshoe wife carry have been similar. Um, they don't do the giant cash purse. 
um, again, because it's a world's, but they do uh, typically give a beer uh, beer prize. So how many how, how many competitors from how many countries generally come to the world's in either competition? Yeah, so it's surprisingly, so both competitions are open, meaning, um, so like even though the North American Championship is here in Maine, you don't have to win a state or a, you don't have to be like the Canadian champion to show up. Um, okay. You know, so couples that are interested can actually register, um, you know, several months in advance, it usually sells out really quickly. Um, but typically we've seen in years past in the North American Championship, we've seen couples travel from Finland, uh, Korea. Uh, obviously we've had the Canadian groups and the Canadian champs a few times. We had the Mexican champs a few times, um, and then people from all of the United States, um, and then a few other places in Europe. Uh, as far as worlds goes, 50 couples usually compete. They have 50 spots. Um, and a lot of that is dominated by, um, you know, more of that kind of Eastern Bloc country of, uh, you know, Europe and stuff. Um, obviously Finland has a lot of people, Estonia, um, sometimes Sweden will have some and then Russia. Um, so you'll see couples from kind of all over that area. I was going to ask if there was sort of a, a national pride from these, the countries where, you know, the same way Canada with hockey is very proud of being the invention of uh, home, home birthplace of hockey. Uh, do the Finns have a similar, uh, pride and we must defend this honor in big, carrying. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, I was really, I was really impressed when we went over there to Finland just to see, how, uh, just how much pride there was around that. Of course, there's a, always a big competition, you know, with Russia, um, you know, with all their history and stuff, um, with world war, you know, the world wars and stuff. And, um, you know, Russia trying to, you know, kind of take over Finland and stuff like that. Um, so that's that was really interesting. And so the Finns actually held the title oh for about eight or nine years, I believe, until the year that we went uh, over a Russian actually won for the first time. Since then, I believe the Finns took the title back um, the last two years. Huh. Yeah. And so is it like a, a Rocky kind of thing with them? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, the Russian the guy that was there, he was incredibly serious. And so when I said that there's a lot of couples that show up, um, you know, to do it uh, as a either a bonding experience or as a romantic experience of some sort. Um, or That's how I would do it, of course. Yeah, as fun. <laughs> There is an upper tier of athletes that show up to these uh, races who are incredibly serious, and the Russian was was one of them. He had uh, showed me his phone, and his wallpaper was a picture of the Finnish champion from the last two years, and he told me that I would just look at this every single day wanting to beat him, and uh, I realized at that point I was like I was out of my league in terms of how serious I was taking it. Yeah, that's some oh. Ivan Drago. Level, it was uh, full on yeah. Drago. It was totally Ivan Drago. I even caught him and his partner cheating the night before, which was kind of hilarious. <gasps> Wait, what? what? How do you yeah, cheat? You know, <laughs> leave it to the Russians, right? Leave it to the Russians. 
so night before the race, the course is closed. Um, they, you know, they, uh, and they don't let you in the pool over in Finland. Uh, it's a, a slick lined pool. So they put a poly layer down and the water is clear and you launch you and your partner, uh, off this little bit of a lip and a full submergence. So both of, <laughs> both of you go under the water and your wife's head is under the water for at least, you know, usually three to five seconds as you cross this pool and your chest deep and it's very slippery getting out like incredibly slippery and the whole race is lost on getting in and out of the pool sometimes and so they don't allow you to practice it or try it and so this big festival is going on and it's the evening and uh the sun never sets over there really it's like 3 a.m or something when it starts to get dark and we're partying and hanging out and also i go to take a walk and i walk down to the by the course at the gate and I look across and who is jumping in and out of the pool over and over again. It's the Russian and his partner. Yeah. And so they were practicing and practicing and practicing. And he, he ended up taping his shoes and figuring out exactly where he wanted to step out. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, was I just like, want you to beat them. You have to like just destroy them. At some point <laughs> in your oh, I was standing on the other side of the fence, and he looked over, and I just wagged my finger at him and pointed at my eye. I was like, "I, I, I see you. I don't know if anyone else is going to see you, but I see you." Is his what? is he actually married to his partner, or is it like is that his actual wife, or do you know? That I don't. I don't think so. I don't believe so. It's that most be terrible bedtime yeah. conversation. <laughs> most of a lot of the a lot of the top couples are not married. Uh, quite often, you'll find. It's probably better that way. I feel like there could be some serious marital discord if things don't go well. <laughs> well, typically, and they—that's why they call the giant mud pit in the North American Championships the Widowmaker. Is the the thought is always that if you were to have dropped your partner in the mud face down, that you're probably not going to survive that. Uh, you know, the marriage is not going to come out of that. Right. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> that- Totally fair. Always better to drop your friends than your actual real wife, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Is there a particular obstacle that stands out for you as the most challenging? Oh, for sure. Uh, people always like to think it's the Widowmaker with the big mud pit. Um, realistically, that's that's not too bad. I, I think if you're strong and kind of kind of well trained, you're hitting that water and it's it's not terrible. Some years it's been really cold, like forty degrees. Um, which is a little shocking, but honestly, the hardest part, especially for a guy uh, who's built like I am, is the log. Um, years previous, the log was a little bit thinner in diameter, not quite as high as this year, and this year they replaced it with a... Uh, it was at least 12 inches in diameter, so gigantic, and and was about belly button height for me. So with a 30-inch inseam, I, if I was sitting on it, I had neither feet on the ground so you kind of teeter-tar yeah so for me my style is to run as fast as i can and then uh vault it by putting kind of like a gymnast would put both hands on the log and throw my whole body over into the air at the same time wow now i know too that there's different there is it three different methods in which you can carry her right you can do the fireman carry or she can be upside down she's upside down no matter what is there a preferred carry method that you use or is that a 
also. Yeah, I mean, you can you can use any uh, carrying style possible. So there's like the the threshold carry, right? Where just in your arms, the caveman over your shoulder, the fireman's over your both shoulders. Um, but realistic, a piggyback, but but none of those are really efficient. Okay. Um, the only way to carry, if you ha- want any chance of winning, is the Estonian care- method or Estonian carry, which is upside down, legs wrapped around the back of your neck. Um, and there are some huh. I- intricate, um, uh, <laughs> really important ways to do that too, where the woman becomes much more secure. So trade secrets you won't share with us. <laughs> Realistically, the more that the woman can do, the more that the woman can do, the more the man is able to run, right? Cause you want to focus yeah. on as much power uphill and downhill as possible. And I think, a lot of riders underestimate that, and the females end up holding on to the guys too much and not holding on to themselves. Makes sense. Yeah. Is there a how? Do you guys communicate at all during the race? <laughs> well, usually my frontal lobe shuts down, and I've gone full caveman by the time that we're the <laughs> well, bell sure, goes off. Of course. Yeah. So, like I said, it's kind of it's it's reptilian brainstem only functioning. There's not a lot of communication. Um, but truthfully, no, I'm just focusing on. Uh, Keeping my breath up the hill, not over breathing to get like totally smoked, and on the right. down on the downhill, staying loose. And if I think there's a command that she ha- needs to know, I'll say something. But typically, it's just if I say anything, it's stay tight, you know, T- stay tight or tighten, tighten, tighten. Um, just because if she's getting loose, that trying to you know translates to being very dynamic. As I'm running downhill, you can imagine though the bouncing, and right. it's sure. really easy to have your wife kind of explode off of that, um, you know, because of all the bouncing. Is the sport growing? Do you see more people? I mean, I'm assuming there is uh, upon game day, race day. Uh, there is a bit of a separation between people who thought this would be funny the night before and coming <laughs> to this horrible realization of what they've just signed up for. And then there are the people like you who have done this before. This is not your first wife carrying, which I think needs to be a uh, worked in the vernacular yes. a little bit more. Yep. Um, is there that divide? And how much laughing do you do at these people who are like, oh, I can just show up and take this? <laughs> I spent after a long warm up. I spend my entire time walking the crowd, uh, really just smiling at people, shaking their hands, really encouraging them, and and reminding them that they got it and it's going to be a blast. Because you do see some some nerves cross people's faces as they realize uh, if they watch somebody fall or they watch how slowly some people go. And uh, like I said, a lot of the, like the winning times are under a minute. Um, Mm -hmm. but a majority of the times of people showing up and trying it, um, are like two, two and a half, three minutes. And so I think people get shocked at how exhausting it is. And, and yeah, so it's just really good to, uh, kind of keep everybody encouraged. I, I think it's really social. Um, and again, it's, it's silly. And so I think it's, you know, the best thing you can always do is just kind of encourage people and keep them pumped up and, and keep them excited about the choice that they made. Um, <laughs> you know, with, 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 with shows like yours and, uh, YouTube and, you know, even like BBC picked it up one year. So, uh, Reuters and stuff picked it up and went worldwide. It's seen such an explosion as terms of, um, 
you know, coverage, you know, traction. Yeah, and so, it. yeah, the the event sells out in just like a couple days. Um, they expanded it to 80 couples this year for North American, uh, and it was still sold out. So uh, it's really fun. I think uh, the internet and the, the availability of that is, is allowing for such a fun thing to grow. And we're seeing state championships pop up all over the place. That's amazing. I feel like it should absolutely be televised. I mean, if they can televise days and days of spelling bees and things like that, I mean, this is <laughs> like people would love, I can't even imagine how much fun people would have watching it and watching things unfold and, you know, arguments and whatnot. Well, about the time, you know, give it another five or 10 years and we start seeing <laughs> some like real athletes show up to do it and not guys like me. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see some superheroes doing it all of a sudden that it will have some traction where, uh, you know, who knows partner caring may become an Olympic event. That would be pretty cool. It could, Or even a varsity sport. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't see why every, yeah, every high school should have a team, right? At least right? a club. Yeah. I totally yep. want a letter in wife carrying. <laughs> yeah absolutely i think certainly if you could have a streaking team at most colleges you should be able to have one of these right i totally agree yeah which of course then leads to uh, then they try to combine the two and then you got a whole new kind of sport yeah that's <laughs> yeah, go a whole naked. different whole different channel yeah, you're right no doubt that's a, that's a scary thought uh-huh but you get a lot of sponsors <laughs> <laughs> So what's what's next? What's next on the horizon? Oh man, uh, you know I'm, we're not sure. So we so if the little background on us, well, like I said, my partner approached me one year and said, "Hey, listen, I'm wicked small. You're wicked strong. We got to go do this thing." And I was like, "Okay." And we showed up and uh, we took second place. And so that was just close enough uh, that we got kind of hooked. We went back, we did third place, we went back, we got second place, we went back, we got third place. And there was an era there of four years, five years that um, the competition was incredibly stiff, really fun. Um, we all kind of knew each other. And then in year five, I ended up, we ended up winning. Um, that winter, so we were going to go to Finland. That winter, uh, I had a big ice climbing accident, uh, fell about 25 feet, shattered my oh, ankle and foot. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And oh. didn't walk for a bunch of months. And so that following fall was just barely coming out of crutches. So I, I, we didn't go to Finland. I couldn't compete the following year. Um, Interestingly enough, my, my cousin-in-law came to the event. We helped coach him up a little bit. He ended up winning uh, the North American Championship, which was kind of fun. So we were out of the sport for uh, a couple of years. We did go over to Finland the next year just to give our best bid. We came in six. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. Um, and kind of came home, and I wasn't sure. I kind of thought, well, you know, five years of doing this. We won it. Um, you know, it may be time to just kind of hang that up and move on. And my partner this year, a couple of years after not racing, basically said, hey, listen, when are we going to do this again? This was so fun. <laughs> uh, you, you still got it in you. And she had to kind of talk my confidence up because, to be honest, after the broken foot, I have not been running the same. And so I wasn't sure. And so she's the Edelman to your Brady. Oh, is that what you're saying? Ab ab absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> she totally is. Totally is. This year she kind of, you know, she, she spurred me on and was like, Hey, listen, come on, get us in this thing and let's go back and win. And you just better toughen up and fi figure it out. And uh, so we showed up and yeah, we just got, you know, got in the zone and had a good performance and we won again. So wow. we're, 
Yeah, and so we're one of only three couples in the history of North American series to to win, um, and no one's ever won it three times. So you know, there's kind of that hanging over our head, you know. Yeah, Mm. you got to do it. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, ah, you know. So we'll you know we'll probably go up and compete in the snowshoe world championships again uh this april i'm going to help host that and put that on and work with sunday river for that and then you know if all all goes well if we both feel healthy if 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 life presents itself we'll we'll give that third title a shot usually whenever we do interviews um i always talk about a little bit um my my partner christine one of her daughters has mitochondrial disease you know you always see us quite often race uh under the tag of cure mito it's a disease most people don't realize or even know exists um Mm -hmm. you know and so for us it's always kind of just our chance our one little soapbox to say to people hey like if you don't know about this um you know put your ears and eyes on it it's one of those things that deserves as much attention as curing cancer or anything else uh, basically attacks the uh, energy producing cells in your body um, and so it leaves her incredibly fatigued all the time as a child which is painful when uh, other kids are full of energy and running around of course. Uh, yeah yeah so those, those powerhouses don't work for her so we try to do a little fundraising do a little awareness do that kind of stuff and just try to point people in that general direction is there a particular like website or team page that where if any listeners want to support the cause or get involved that they you could direct them to? Yeah, if you just Google cure mito um, or mitochondrial disease, a lot of those things will pop right up. Um, like I said, there's very limited research still going on. It's fairly fairly new, but there's some fundraising and stuff out there, and and just an awareness piece, which is nice. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, and I would just say, if people are interested, you know, if you've seen it on YouTube, you've seen it on the news, uh, you've heard about it on the podcast. It's time to come try it, you know. And if you don't want to make the trip to Maine for the championships, um, you know, organize in your own state. You know, if you, we would love to see. You know, we know that there are championships in Texas and Florida and Montana. Uh, you know, a bunch of places like that. You know, but why, uh, why not Arizona or why not Virginia? You know, get those started up and and have those races and let's just keep building the sport it's fun be sure to follow why the podcast on facebook instagram and twitter and check out our youtube channel for some additional great why content if you're so inclined please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing the show is produced by myself and heidi hegquist our reluctant executive producers are john sovey and sandy stone our web producer is tenley mustonen our graphic designer, Samantha Mustonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthomagnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here? Nigel. <laughs>